Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. everybody welcome back to private education i am ashling uh, andrea is actually back my beautiful co-host she is actually back from los angeles but she's not here because she's still recovering from having flown from los angeles and from having spent a beautiful month in america in the sunshine and having to come back here and back to work and back to reality so she she's not here but i am and um oh actually before i launch in i'm going to apologize because we're in a bit of an echoey room, so if the audio sounds a bit wild, I'll do my best to clean it up, but like if it sounds a bit crazy, that's why. Um, the feedback on last week's episode was, uh, basically, if anyone listened, alarm bells. Every single message I got was like, your man is mad, leave him. Now, obviously, being the diplomatic podcast host I am, I couldn't possibly say that, but that is what the feedback was, and I'm just putting it out there. So, yes, Andrea's back from Los Angeles, and coincidentally, my guest today lives in Los Angeles. Um, I am here today in this echoey room interviewing one of Ireland's most successful exports, hairstylist to the stars and actual stars, like not like, you know, stars like we think, like Mariah Carey level stars. Not Marty Whelan. No, <laughs> hey, Marty Whelan. I love Marty. Star. I love Marty. Andrew Fitzsimons, welcome to Private Education. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're very welcome. Thank you, Ashley. I can't believe you insulted Marty at the no, top. No, 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 he's just not... You know what? I take it back. I, I take it back. I, think I would do Marty Whelan's uh, wig anytime. So, Andrew, for anyone listening who doesn't know your background and right. what you do and how you got to do what you do, right? Give us a bit of a an intro. Well, um, it's quite a long story. Oh, I like Ashling. those. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm a hairdresser. I'm from Dublin, from uh, Ballantyre. Um, my dad is from Inchicore. My mom is from Hope. Um, and yeah, I grew up, I grew up in Ballantyre and, um, I've been doing hair for 22 years now. Mm. Um, I left school at 13 to start doing hair. Um, I left Ireland at either 16 or 17 and then ended up in New York at 21 and I've been living in the States since then, I'm 35 now. Given that your mother is from Hoth and your father's from Inchicore, right. do you identify as a Northsider or a Southsider? This oh is very Jesus. important. Well, okay, so my mom <laughs> says, I don't know if I, am I, am I spilling her tea, but my mom says that Hoth is County Dublin. Okay, it is. Yeah, no, you're not, right. Not nor- but I but think it's that still she's, North. She's, pr- she's a, pr- a proud, proud Northsider. Okay, yeah. Hoth feels like um, when I do psychedelics, I mean, I've heard, um, <laughs> that, that feels like my ancestral home. Hoth feels like if there was a movie of my life and I was very, very, 
um, artistic. There'll be some kind of flashback scene to hope. the day I to die the of me literally walking through the cl- touching Stunning. the heather. Yeah. And I feel like that's my kind of weird Irish lineage place is so, the hill of hope. So what I'm hearing is Northside, we've decided. Northside, but I grew up in the south the south side. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm just a Dubliner. I'm just a Dubliner. Okay, you see I'm a Northsider, so I was delighted you when you were yeah. Okay, I'm a Northsider then. I'm a Northsider. <laughs> Today I'm a Northsider then. <laughs> okay, great. Okay, will we get will we get into like yeah, chats? Let's do it. So let's do it. You went to Paris, you became, over the course of the last however many years, became an expert in hair. You are now living and working in Los Angeles. What is it that you do there? Um, Well, it's mostly working. Um, I I do hair almost every single day. Uh, I have clients, um, lots of different types of clients that I work with. um, So not only celebrities? Or is it mostly uh, celebrities? I think it's pretty much pretty much celebrities. Oh, okay, <laughs> drop some names, <laughs> um, will you? Well, we know. Uh, I, I know the Kardashians, the Jenners. Yeah, and you have worked with Mariah. Yeah, I used to work with Mariah okay. a lot when, when I lived in New York. She she lives in New York. Okay. Um, when I moved to LA, I, yeah, m- most of my clients are based in LA. Mm. Also, talk to me a little bit about like so. Do, do you just one day get a call being like somebody really mega famous wants me to do their hair and then all of a sudden you're doing it and then it's like word of mouth from there. Do you know what I mean? Like how, how right. does that go? Well, at the, at the very beginning, it was my, my I had an amazing, amazing agent okay. um, who, who really believed in me and uh, she was putting me up for as many jobs as, as she could. Um, Mariah came up and I, I showed up and I... I did her hair. We got on really well. She's, I, I, I wasn't, a, I didn't grow up in, I was more of a Madonna fan. Like okay. Kind of yeah. um, more of a Madonna kind of fan mm-hmm. uh, or a Janet Jackson fan. It wasn't that familiar with Mariah. It's not, I didn't have anything against her. It just wasn't, mm. wasn't that familiar. Um, uh, but what I was overwhelmed with was how kind she was and how respectful she was. And th- because I wasn't a fan of hers, I think her fans would like their their stands and they like mm. or lambs. They, um, I'm sure they would talk about how kind she is and how sweet and thoughtful and whatever. Uh, but I think she has a perception of um, what I would call a like a, a woman in charge, but other would, people would call like a diva or mm. like someone who's difficult or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't accept that. Um, she's an incredibly kind, respectful person who is professional and knows what she wants and and gets it. And um, yeah, then I guess after that, it just becomes word of mouth. Like if you're able to work with a celebrity at that level, that means you're able to be discreet, you're able to be professional, you're able to be on time, you're able to do your job, plus all of the other things that it takes to be around someone who's high profile. So being able to work with a celebrity consistently basically means that you have all of those attributes. Mm-hmm. So it's easier to use you than yeah. an unknown person who might freak out or might tell someone's story or might take photos in someone's home because usually we're doing hair and makeup in, in people's homes. Yeah. A um, really intimate environment, obviously. It is. Yeah. And a lot of the time people have kids, they have families. And for someone who may not have the right intentions, it's a day at a celebrity's house, but for me, it's I'm going to work. It's it might your as well career. Be an office. It's you're it's looking an, at the big office. picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously, um, now you have you know your own hair care range. It's in boots. Yeah. I used it this morning. This is a sex and relationships podcast, yeah. as you know. Um, I want to ask you. We always try and be incredibly inclusive, mm-hmm. and anytime I'm very mindful of language, mm-hmm. and I like to be able to make sure everyone listening has 
you know, hears themselves. So you want to be a, a kind human being. Basically. Yeah. I don't want to be an cool. asshole. Yeah. Um, to do no harm. Yes. And I would love to know, um, I know you do a lot of work with the trans community mm-hmm. and charities. Mm-hmm. Why is that so important to you? Well, to me, growing up, uh, growing up in an island where gay people existed but were not really acknowledged but when we were it was it kind of felt like maybe a burden uh and growing up in an island where trans people were non-existent socially Mm -hmm. and still kind of aren't socially um what i've learned from living all over the world and um meeting different people and hearing different perspectives is that um to protect the most vulnerable and unfortunately our society when we don't know about someone if we don't know about somebody's story if we can't empathize with someone it's very easy for us to disregard other human beings um and i had felt disregarded in my own country growing up um i i wasn't i wasn't respected i wasn't shown a path of what my life could be where how i could fit into society um, so I, I know I, I knew how that felt, and I, I'm sure so many different people have felt that in different ways. Even being a woman in Ireland, um, in a in a society that was built by a system that was male dominated, the Catholic Church, um, that did a lot of harm to everybody, everybody, Everyone, but yeah. for straight cis men, straight cis women, queer people, trans people, uh, people of color. The system that was here was not an individualistic one. And I feel like the country before uh, that system was much more natural, was about cooperating together, cooperating with nature. And you see that in a lot of societies where like some kind of Western or Anglo or whatever regime has come in to civilize people, Mm -hmm. actually taking them further away from their innate humanity and their and and their connectivity with other people and it it was actually after leaving ireland i realized what the ramifications of that are and um it wasn't until i left left ireland and not not, i didn't even find it in europe was moving to the states and being around so many liberated people, especially in New York. New York is like mm-hmm. anything goes, and queerness is celebrated, femininity is celebrated, um, being alternative is celebrated. And I found myself being there and having basically the world in a platter. I could do anything, experience anything. And I realized I wasn't even able to speak freely about sex with my partner because of, of my upbringing here yeah, yeah. and the shame that was attached to all of those things. So having a a kind of a life experience where I was fighting against so much, I thought, well, it must be so much fucking harder if you are, um, in in these instances, it's, it's, it's important to talk about intersectionality. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm queer. I'm, I'm gay, but I'm also, I have a lot of privilege from being white. I have a lot of privilege from being a male. Um, so I was like, what, is, what would your journey have been if you were a queer female it, and uh, born in the same year, in the same country, in the same mm-hmm. city, and, uh, but had the same aspirations? And what would that have looked like? And uh, when, you, when I think like that, I think like, 
I, I can't do anything other than think of how I can try to support other people mm-hmm. um, who don't have it worse, but how, who have it different. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, working with the trans community, I was very lucky to very early on in moving to New York um, meet two incredible women who, who happened to be trans um, on a photo shoot who became instant family to me. And I, I had never known or intimately known uh, uh, trans people before and that demystification of just knowing somebody that you shouldn't have to to be able to respect somebody or yeah. support them um, I was afforded um, so that's that's why I suppose that wherever I'm going in life and I'm able to utilize my privilege it's as important for me to do my thing in the world and make myself happy but also to be able to support other people mm-hmm. that need it. it you don't realize how much of what we experience as irish people is internalized until Absolutely. you go elsewhere i think yeah. and a lot of the reason like I, a lot of the reason i started the podcast and i say this all the time is because you know nothing in my education mm-hmm. or upbringing mm-hmm. told me that talking about sex was okay mm-hmm. or that like, anything about being gay gay people trans mm-hmm. people Mm-hmm. how gay people have sex none mm-hmm. nothing of that was Same. ever ever communicated to yeah. me nor was um any was there any indication that you know any of that could be pleasurable or good or positive or happy or fulfilling mm-hmm. and you don't realize until you go elsewhere and you see other things and mm-hmm. you experience other people like you were mm-hmm. saying that you realize how much of that is internalized at what point was it when you went to Paris or was it when you went to the States that you fully, it fully dawned on you how, you know, did you ever feel held back in that way by Ireland or by your, you know, not necessarily your upbringing that your parents or anything like that, but I mean like the society in which you grew up. Right. Well, yeah, I, I, I lost my virginity when I was 15 and after I lost my virginity, I didn't have sex again until I was in my 20s because I didn't really understand what it was. Okay. And I didn't know how it would pertain to me. And I didn't know how it would pertain to um, my relationship with my own body, my relationship with other people, how to respect my own body, how to respect someone else's body. Um, none of that was taught to me. None of that was, was, was on the agenda. The only thing I had heard about gay sex was, you'll die of AIDS. That's, that's what I grew up hearing and knowing that's the only information that I had mm-hmm. um so there was a point where I was in a relationship in my in my later 20s in which my partner who was who was uh a little bit older than me not not much but a little bit older than me but uh who did a lot of work who was in therapy for for a lot longer than I had been at the time and wanted to be able to openly talk about sex and I was too embarrassed to I was too embar- I was in my 20s I'd already lived in New York for at that point, at least six years, and I've been having sex and been able to explore my sexuality to a certain degree, mm-hmm. um, but I, I, I even recognized in those moments uh, the limitation, the self-imposed limitations that I had. And then I was in a safe environment with a person who loved me and wanted to know because they wanted to be able to share pleasure with me, yes. give me pleasure, yeah. and 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 receive it too. And I wasn't able to reciprocate. And um, I think that's the case for a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people. Yeah. And uh, a part of that is 
when 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 sex is 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 taught to a child first of all sex is a part of life it's it's how we're obviously we're brought into the world so to try to protect a child um from sex by teaching them only the the worst case scenarios of sex and that's your education from us adults your caregivers mm-hmm. uh can only that, 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 that there's nowhere else to go but yeah. shame internalization yeah. yeah yeah um there's they, they, they there's absolutely no mention of homosexuality in in sex education um there's v- little to zero um uh, discussion on on ownership of one's body of of sexual of mental sexual health mm-hmm. um and uh i realized that and and i had to i i was going to therapy and i had to say to my therapist i I'm not even, you're my therapist and I know nothing leaves these walls and there's no ramifications outside of this room, but I'm, I, I don't even want to talk about sex with you. Mm-hmm. And she said, why? Uh, she asked me why. And I said, I, I, I wasn't brought up in, a, in, a, in an environment where you're allowed to mm-hmm. because it's, it's bad, it's dirty. It's, it's mm-hmm. it, like literally, I think the, the, the slang term in Dublin for having sex is like doing the dirty or like whatever mm-hmm. the fuck. Yeah. And it's just, it's it, now to me, sex is not dirty. My body isn't dirty, like nothing. Um, but it, 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 I had to get over that. I had to demystify and I had to detach the, what I had inadvertently learned about sex, which was to hide it. Mm-hmm. And once I did that work, um, I was able to go on a whole journey that is as healthy to me as going to the gym or eating healthily. It's about re- respecting yourself, respecting yourself by being honest with yourself and respecting another person by being able to be honest with them. Because if you're hiding things from yourself or you think that you're hiding things from, from a person that you are having a intimate relationship with, um, it is it, it is not the... It, it's not the foundation for anything that is sustainable. No. And it's not the intimate relationship you think it is because no. if you can't be, I I don't think, truly intimate with someone right. unless you're comfortable to have those conversations. But nobody is set up for success in that way. So if you mm. take a straight boy, if he's not taught how to respect himself or taught uh, about his body in a positive way or sexuality in a positive way, and then if he's in a heterosexual relationship uh, and a girl, like, how how are you expected to be able to confide? How are you expected to be able to communicate? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so as a, I, I can't even imagine as a woman taking ownership. Like my my the, the, my mother telling me stories of she didn't know what sex was until she had sex for the first time. Mm. Like that that that's terrifying. Yeah. She didn't know what a period was until she had a period. Mm-hmm. Um things that are that that we all should we ha- have to either navigate or enjoy um th- those being off the off off limits in terms of of conversation or communication mm-hmm. between parents and children, between peers, uh whatever education system there is that exists in the country with so much residue of of catholic church trauma um that there there has to be some kind of i I talk about it with with queerness even outside of sexuality there always has to be a reckoning in order to be able to move on Mm -hmm. and if women in this country had been treated the way they've been treated by society um we saw during covid how how women are not protected um health wise in this country my sister had a child during um uh, during COVID, and 
men were making decisions over her body, over over um, how many inches dilated she could be before her partner was allowed to be with her. They uh, men made the decision that uh, women's partners couldn't be with them when they had to go in for their scan to see if their their um, baby was healthy or not, or 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 you know. Mm. Um, and in that kind of society, when there's no reckoning, you, you, there, there can't be any healing. And the thing is, I realized that before I could ever enjoy myself sexually or enjoy my enjoy an energy with a partner um, that was even just sensual or that was just intimate, even just looking someone in the eyes and mm-hmm. saying, I'm here with you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can't heal before that, you can't get to that place. No. And you can't heal until you can see your wounds, you're aware of your wounds. Mm-hmm. And we have a really, in Ireland, we have a, a, such a good system of brushing things under the carpet and go, do you know what? We're not going to deal with it. We're going to move on. Blah, <laughs> yeah. blah, blah. We're experts at that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Um, you, you can't heal like that. Yeah. You have to be able to say, do you know what? I wasn't set up for success or we weren't set up for success, but now let's talk about it. So I really admire what you're doing because this is a part of the healing. It's, yeah. it's us communicating and talking yeah. about these it's things. It's a small part, but it's, you know, it's doing something and... Mm-hmm. I, I like when you're talking about your sister having a baby I also had a baby during lockdown and had had that experience firsthand of my partner not being allowed in until I was you know and all this kind of stuff and I cannot describe to you how traumatic that was mm-hmm. like the process of the what, what should have been child? yeah what should yeah. have been a really lovely yeah. birth experience was, was totally by and, men yeah and, and I'd watch the news every evening leading up to when I was due and I'd be seeing, you know, Watching decisions. Watching male, male, uh, male politicians going to get haircuts while your partner was not allowed to come in for your scan. Oh, my God. And and I've never felt more like a second-class citizen than mm-hmm. I did Absolutely. during pregnancy and birth. Right. And it, it blew my mind, actually, because right. I would, you know, I host a sex podcast. I'd like yeah. to think I'm, I'm living a fairly forward-thinking, inclusive life, and I did not feel included by right. my own country. Do you know what right. I mean? Um, and it, it, it kind of leads on then as well it's why we have problems with consent in this country because those conversations aren't being had. They just aren't. That's why there's still so much homophobia in this country, transphobia, racism in this country because Irish people don't want to deal with a thing that's difficult. No. But it's necessary. And the thing is, and, and something that I really try to talk about is that we are innately brave. We're innately rebellious. We do have it in us. And the promise that we're telling ourselves of what the country is now is just a veneer. Yeah. In, uh, unless we're actually really supporting people. Mm-hmm. Are we supporting queer people? Are we supporting women? Are we supporting people of color? And how? Mm-hmm. And if you can't answer those questions yourself, that means it's not happening. Yeah. It's just yeah. simply not happening. Mm-hmm. And we all deserve that. And I, I think that, I, I've said it before, that I've never seen a society flip so quickly go a, a complete 180 from super conservative to very very liberal but marriage equality only passed by one percent in the in, in this country and that's just the sharing of fucking assets that's not anything to do with how we fit into society or mm-hmm. how we're supported in society mm-hmm. other than finances um and um it's it's a pity but i think that people are waking up to the fact that we can't hide our heads in the sand anymore. Conversation, conversations have to be had. And this is, th- we're innately storytellers. We're, we should be able to talk about our experiences. Mm-hmm. I think if enough women 
and queer people and even straight men are able to fess up to where they are, where they're struggling, where the roadblocks have been. We can all see unity in that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and people who we didn't see ourselves in before, we're finally able to see that connection mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Whether it's in a, a queer person that you didn't know before, or a person of color, a person of different religion, or different sex simply, um, to be able to hear the roadblocks that were in front of them and how it affected them and what they think that they can do to find salvation for themselves, that can only have a knock-on effect and help other people Mm -hmm. and remind us how similar we are and we have very similar um, obstacles. And, and we have all been through similar types of situations where we felt isolated or misunderstood or confused or whatever it is and be able to then therefore support each other. If we're pretending it's, it, it isn't happening or it hasn't happened, then we can't connect like that. No. Do you feel, um, I don't know what your relationship status is at the moment. But single as fuck. Single, single as fuck. <laughs> Do you feel like you've found salvation for yourself personally in terms of, past relationships your dating life your single life do you feel like you've healed personally in a word mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. No. In a word, no. But to me, that is a cradle-to-grave journey. Yeah. I don't think I'll, I don't think there's any part of my life where I'm like, okay, I'm done now. I don't want that. That to me, that's death. Um, but I've done a lot of work, um, outside of sexuality. I, I'm a Leo. All of my, all of my signs are fire signs, have no, no grounding signs at all. Um, so I've had to create that for myself and I've had to learn about myself, I've had to accept myself, um, in a lot of ways. And I've had to try to learn to accept other people because I, what I've learned for me, for me is that, um, it's very easy to project on another person all of the things that you want for yourself or what you want for yourself in a relationship or what you want from another person. And you're able to see another see another human being and I've had been thinking about all these different things for years and years and years and project all of them. You're supposed to be my boyfriend, so that means you have to do this, this, and this, and this, and this. And um, what I've really learned is that if, if you meet somebody, I used to really try to jump ahead and and have ownership. If we're in a relationship, that means you're not going to be with someone else. If we're in a relationship, I don't have to worry about this. If we, if I push this or we speed this up or whatever, instead of actually just chilling and getting to know somebody and 
figuring out whether you accept them or not. Do I accept you? Um, can I claim you? Mm-hmm. Um, and the re- I've been single for, for a year now, out of choice. Um, I think I've gone on two dates in the past year. I've, uh, I'm really in a place where I realize I have a lot more work to do in terms of accepting myself. Because if I don't accept myself, it's, it's impossible. If I don't claim myself, I can't expect to be claimed by another person. Not that I want to be owned by another person, mm. but someone to say, yeah, I'm, I'm standing beside this person because mm-hmm. I believe in this person. I need to be, by, I need to be that for myself first. Um, and that's definitely a journey. I've never been more equipped for that. Um, but I still don't even think that I'm ready to be in a relationship. Not for any other reason than I, like you said at the very start of this podcast, it, I like I want to do no harm. So I, I definitely have aspirations in life. I definitely have issues, like personal issues that I work through constantly, um, try to be free of from childhood or from experience in life. Um, being 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 in a in an envir- in a crazy world environment, um, and I need to get to the point where I do the least amount of harm to myself and the least amount of harm to another person. Support myself as much as I possibly can, and support another person as as much as I possibly can. And that doesn't just happen. Mm-hmm. That doesn't just land on your lap and then you're great. Some people have very little conflict with other people, but for me. I want to be I want to be able to go deep with somebody and in past relationships um, I haven't been able to go deep because I can't I couldn't go there myself um, what, do you, really what do you think stopped you going deep I didn't know what was on the other side I didn't know what was on the other side of it um, I'd been like uh, teenage years like getting drunk and then crying about something and you didn't know you're upset at something and like you know that like those deep down things of like oh why do I have this blockage of whatever um and that that was the relationship like the relationship i'm referring to is like my longest relationship we were together for four years which is not that long but for me it was um and couldn't talk about sex couldn't talk about what i really wanted because i felt some kind of guilt about that um and i that i realized after a while i was like okay you don't accept yourself you have to accept every part of you you have to accept the strength we have to ex- accept the parts that aren't so strong or mm-hmm. aren't so together. Mm-hmm. And if you can accept those things and then choose to try and support yourself, then you can do that f- with another person. Mm-hmm. And that's what you deserve back. And now I realize that that's what I want. Then that's that's the only type of relationship I'm willing to have. Does, uh, like I would imagine, I don't know. I'm, I don't have a high profile. As someone who is relatively high profile and who works with people of high profile does trust ever do you see trust in relationships as a blockage for you does that does that hold you back that's the first wall okay that's the first wall that i have my my job is a it's my one of my biggest passions it's it's been the fuel for my trajectory in life it's brought me to so many different places and allowed me to exist in different places not just work but exist in different places and with different types of people and it's been such a blessing in so many ways but also with the type of work that I do there there's outward visibility that fits into a narrative of excess of um beauty which i love i'm an i'm an art art lover i'm an i'm a a lover of beautiful things 
including people, which I, I find everybody beautiful. Um, but the the outward appearance of my job definitely has and living also in LA a place where it attracts people who want to be famous or their life to look a certain way rather than really be a certain way um definitely I've I've noticed that and that's probably why I haven't been dating but um has attracted I've been attracting people who want to attach their sel- themselves to the image of the outward image of my life uh rather than me so I definitely have a wall up because I um I'm a sensitive person but I also like I I do want to at some point be in a relationship I do want to have uh, a connection with somebody like that um but I know it's not going to be born out of any kind of energy like it's just not going to have anything to do with my career mm-hmm. um so yeah there's definitely I definitely have a uh, a involved screening process which is my intuition and um when I lived in New York, it was much easier to date. People move to New York because they're internally motivated. Everyone lives in a tiny apartment. Everybody takes the subway together. Um, you're there to work your ass off and be around the best of the best and improve yourself from the inside out. Whereas people move to LA um, because success to them is what they can prove. Like it's this car, it's this lifestyle, it's this partner, it's this house. Um, and that attra- it, they attract two different types of people. So being a person who doesn't feel very LA but lives there and and I'm around people who want their life to look successful or be success adjacent um it definitely has made me put my guard up and I, I definitely do have my guard up but I'm also at the point where I'm I'm really focusing on myself and my career my internal world and my external world where I I don't need that right now I don't think I, I don't think my person is in LA. I live there right now. I'm definitely not going to live there forever. Um, but it's not something that I'm focusing on for right there because I don't think, unless there's some kind of weird anomaly where uh, just an amazing guy is in LA and we happen to cross paths and they see the real me. Um, but I'm not holding my breath for that in LA because dating in LA is fucking trash. <laughs> it's really trash. But... Uh, but I think at some point I will want to live more simply and be around less, uh, less of the things, mm-hmm. less of the, the the shiny things. Do you think when you depart LA, your involved screening process will stay as involved? No, because I don't. Because I I won't have that around me. There won't be that in front of me. Basically, I I I'm an islander. I'm from I'm from Ireland. Um, I don't think I can deal with the rain, but I am very, I'm, I'm willing to live in, uh, Jamaica. Um, and, um, I'll be leading with myself. Uh, I have to lead with my career. I have to lead with what I do because what I do is a big part of who I am. Um, it's a big part of my day to day life. It's most of my time to be honest. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm happy with that right now. That's what I wanted. And that's what I want. Um, but there will come a point where I want to live more simply. I prefer to live on an island and I prefer to lead with my wisdom, my personality, my, my, my chosen self, mm-hmm. um, rather than live in a, in an environment where I have to prove myself before I walk into a room. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to be in that kind of environment. But when you said you went on a couple of dates in yeah. the last year or so, yeah, what was it that made you go, okay. 
I'll, I'll go on that one. A lot of the time people are in the same kind of business, whether it's, I need to stop dating models, basically. Um, <laughs> uh, what a um, complaint to have. Like, yeah, God, I need to stop yeah, dating models. Okay, well, you know, you can only <laughs> stare at a painting for so long. Um, um, I suppose, like, being, being in the same kind of business. Mm. Uh, and you know what? Now I, like, and I'm not saying I'm a celebrity. I'm not a celebrity. But now I get why celebrities date other celebrities. Yes. For real. Mm-hmm. Um or people with certain experiences date other people with those experiences because it is exhausting trying to show somebody who you are when they have a different type of idea of of of, of who you are. Um, so yeah, it definitely helped that that one or two guys have been in the same type of business. Mm-hmm. But uh, when I realized that we're on separate journeys and they want to do this, then I realized okay, well this isn't a foundation that we can we can. Um, step into together um then it is just what it is mm. it would have been very easy for you to say you know when i asked you about your dating or whatever it would have been very easy for you to say well i'm just so busy in my schedule and blah like mm-hmm. is that an excuse you make to all people the yeah all the time okay. all the time um hopefully they're not listening to this right now but um <laughs> but yeah but no i can i can you can, look we can all blame whatever the mm-hmm. being too busy for anything mm-hmm if something is a priority or you want something, you make time for it. So I recognize right now I would be doing my disservice by seeking a relationship or trying to seek out a relationship. Um, when, as I said, I know that I have a lot of, a lot more internal work to do to support myself in a relationship in the future and support someone else in a relationship in the future. But also I, I, I actually don't have the time because I'm, to me, luxury is being able to sleep in my bed for more than five nights in a row. Like that, that complete luxury, not having to travel. I, can, I, I would love to have a dog. It wouldn't be fair to have a dog. It wouldn't be fair to have a dog. It wouldn't be fair to have a boyfriend. Yeah, fair <laughs> you know enough. I mean? Yes, very fair. <laughs> They're very similar, but <laughs> dogs might be easier. I would imagine, yeah. probably. Uh, and at least you can just get a babysitter for a dog. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or a dog sitter, I Maybe boyfriends need a babysitter too, because so I don't want to be it. As... Which is fair. Mm. Uh, as a hairstylist, mm-hmm. you, I would imagine, have a lot of one-on-one time in a chair or behind mm-hmm. a chair with your celebrity clients. Right. You know the way. I mean, in Ireland, I don't know if it's the same in Los Angeles, but in Ireland, the first thing your hairdresser says to you is, so are you going on any holidays and you chat yeah. and then you talk about your family and then you talk about, oh, well, I went on a date or I'm seeing this person or my boyfriend did this or whatever. Right. Do you have those normal, just everyday chit-chats and... In that in that environment, have you learned things? Have you gleaned any wisdom about relationships from those intimate one-on-one personal chats? Well, yeah. Well, one thing that springs to mind is I, I don't... Like, breakups are really difficult for everybody. But working with, with clients that I work with, I'm like, I can't imagine if I had to see my partner on TV every day God, after yeah. a breakup or seeing them on billboards every day or it be me being having to be written about them like god almighty because when i'm if, if a breakup was bad i want to pretend that they died mm. like literally <laughs> you're dead um <laughs> uh but like that must be really difficult i i've uh, i 
my job is my job. I don't. I think that I've got to where I've gotten to in my career because I'm not celebrity obsessed. I'm not. I don't want to know the gossip. I don't want to go to the parties with you. I want to do my job to the best of my ability and go home. Um, so that inherently gives some kind of comfort to to clients because they can feel that. I don't. I'm not asking basic questions. I'm like, hey, so what's up? Mm-hmm. Um, but I've one client that I that I work with probably the most who has been there for every breakup has given me the most incredible advice. Um, and yeah, we're talking about who we're dating at any given time. We're talking about guys. We're talking about our sex lives. We're talking about everything, everything you talk to uh, a friend about. Um, so I, I don't have that with, I, I don't become friends with clients and I don't choose to become friends with clients, but sometimes people just get in and you're just compatible. I'm very lucky to have one, one client that I, that I see most often. Um, that I have that kind of relationship that I'm able to be there on a personal level and they're able to be there for me because we choose to be, because we just are, are that to each mm-hmm. other. Um, I don't necessarily need that at work because do you know what? Oh God, we've all been through bad breakups. And then sometimes when you just go to work and you pretend it's not happening yeah. for a while, it's just a little bit of respite. Mm-hmm. And you could like for my job specifically, I have to show up. I, I have to be the sponge. I have to be the one who absorbs, not the one who projects on other people. Um, so some of the, I, I've gone through everything. I've gone through like my father passing, uh, breakups, like all of the things that you go through life from teens to thirties. Mm-hmm. I've gone through w- on set or working every almost every single day, and have to navigate through. Um, so very rarely in work, it's about me sharing those intimate moments of my life with clients. Mm-hmm. It's more the respite I get from just switching into work mode and switching on your smile and trying to be helpful for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but once in a while, a client will will become a friend and um, it actually means a lot. And uh, Chloe is that person for me. Mm-hmm. And um, like when my father passed in December and her father uh, also passed um, when she was in her teens, I think. And she called me every single day for I don't know how long um, just to check on me because I've been, I, I, I've had situations in my life where people have people in my life, their parents or loved ones, um, have passed and I didn't know what to do. And a lot mm-hmm. of people don't know what to do. So they mm-hmm. do nothing. Mm-hmm. And just, she just, she, she's like, I'm here, I'm here. Mm-hmm. I'm like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm okay today. Are you okay today? Oh no, I don't know. This is just so weird. She's like, yeah, it's fucking weird. And do you know what? Sometimes I felt like this and then sometimes I felt like this and was really there. It, that mightn't have happened in work. It just happened that her that's who she is and uh and I, i'm very lucky to be around such a loving loving person um and can also be there for for her um and the fact is that i do work so much that actually like talking about it now i realize how how special that is because i i'm a type of person who doesn't like to to um i guess it's not putting your problems on another person if that person really loves you and wants to support you but i'm very i'm very hesitant to share my own like personal difficulties sometimes because mm-hmm. I don't want to accept it myself. Sometimes I don't want to feel like a burden. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, sometimes like work, money, career aspirations aside, people just show up in, in really difficult situations and they're the, they're the, the moments that you really remember. Mm-hmm. I like the description that you gave yourself of being a sponge. Like you, when you show up or when you're in any s- professional situation, you're not the, you know, the, information giver you're the person who's receiving a lot of stuff yeah does it ever 
like do you feel like you're an empathetic person because I find sometimes I take other people's things on yeah do you ever hear something or listen to a story from a client and, and take a learning from it or are you just there as almost a sounding board well I try to be real and I try to give real advice mm-hmm. um for some people I've recommended therapy because that's worked for me in, in certain ways some people I just stay away from like I stay away from uh, giving too much or having too much input mm-hmm. um because it's not my place um but I really try to be real and most of the people that I work with I work with consistently so if I feel comfortable like giving real advice I'll be like do you know what I don't know if this is what you want to hear, mm-hmm. but I, I, I tend to be that, that person mm. to people. Do you find as, a, as an Irish person, because sometimes mm. I think we are very grounded. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, you were saying you're Leo and you're not particularly grounded, but I think just by virtue of growing up the yeah. way we did, no, absolutely. there is a level of straightforwardness and honesty and, yeah. you know, shooting from the hip. And yeah. we kind of say what we feel. And like when I give advice... I, I quite often give advice that I don't think is the advice that's right. being sought, right. yeah. you know, but it's what I think is, yeah. is right. Um, ha, do you feel like you do that as, you know, as an Irish person? Yeah, I think that I think that's kind of innate to us. Yeah. What I've had to learn is not give unsolicited advice because <laughs> that's what I, I'm a bossy <laughs> Leo, so I kind of love to do that. Everybody's momager, but um, learning that to, to let people know that you're there for them first allowing them to um, come to you when they're ready. Um, but yeah, I think a, a lot of the time when I'm giving advice, it's like, look, it's this. It, or, or, or look, do you, did you ever think about it like this? Mm-hmm. Um, I have never found it helpful when someone just agrees with me. Mm-hmm. And that's not what I'm looking for in mm-hmm. life. Yeah. Um, so I definitely try to be a person who is able to see things from like if my if my if my place is I'm an I'm a third party or I'm an outsider in a situation I'll try to be as measured and and really give an a, a perspective from my inner wisdom and that be it mm-hmm. this is coming from my understanding of life and th- consider this but it also advice can be used as manipulation by people very very easily um so i also have to be very aware of that is that before i went to therapy i didn't know how to navigate the world other than manipulate it and i didn't do it in a malicious way i didn't know that's the only way i knew how to navigate the world Mm. um and even in relationships i saw well like okay well i don't like this so if i give this advice then that'll make them think of this and blah, blah 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 instead of going what is best for that person what do they what what do they actually need to hear instead of like your perspective? So I try to, I don't give advice when a situation is hot. Sometimes mm-hmm. I don't give a situation when I'm, I don't give advice when I feel triggered mm-hmm. or I feel tired or I feel lonely or mm-hmm. my therapist, it's called halt. If you're happy, angry, lonely, or tired, don't trust your own thoughts. And so I tend to not even give advice to other people in those moments because they can come from a really childish place in me or an immature place um so um so yeah all, all i can offer myself i suppose and and other people is 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 a perspective from hopefully if i'm saying those words um from my highest self mm-hmm. from my highest vibrational frequency i'm trying to think of the last time i wasn't either happy sad happy angry sad or lonely i think i was maybe 
<laughs> like <what>? five. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, when was the last time I wasn't one of those things? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> you, your 15 year old self who lost his virginity and didn't know what sex was. Mm-hmm. If you could talk to him now, what would you say? What would your advice be about sex, relationships, life? What would you tell him that would make things a bit easier for him? But do you, do you actually, do you know what? It wasn't, it wasn't a trauma, traumatic experience. I was, I was, I was, um, I was aware. I knew what I was doing. I knew what I wanted. Um, so I don't honestly think I needed advice in that moment. I think it was after that. It was, it was the moments after that of like, oh, that's what it is. How do I fit into this? It would be, I actually, I don't even know what advice I could have given myself at that age in Ireland at that time. Um, Cause it would have to be a long conversation. Yeah. It would have to be, a, it would have to be a, a, a lot of, a lot of unpacking, um, a lot of demystifying, a lot of um, self-acceptance that I, I probably wouldn't have been able to access because um, when you feel like an island, when you feel like you're alone in something, it, it's it's hard to it's hard to find yourself in a in a in an area of connectivity with another person. Um, I, I I I I I don't like to bullshit and say okay, I have no regrets in life, but I, that's something that I don't. I I had to go through what I had to go through. I I grew up in Ireland. Where I, when I grew up in Ireland. Um, I dealt with what I had to deal with. I think now it's more so how how do I come back to Ireland now and talk about these things? How do we have these conversations with whatever my little wisdom is or my my perspective is now? How do we have those? Because it's not uncomfortable for me anymore. It would have ten years ago. This would have been an uncomfortable conversation, and it would have been a very different conversation. But I'm very comfortable talking about sex, and I'm very comfortable talking about connectivity now. Um, so to me, I don't think I would give myself any advice. I think I prefer to give advice to the fifteen-year, the gay fifteen-year-old in Ireland today. Mm-hmm. And what would that advice be? Just is that um, you deserve pleasure, you deserve love, you deserve to be seen as beautiful. Um, you are beautiful. You are worthy. Um, you have a place, you have a space, and and um, and just have sex. Go have sex. Go have sex with people. Be safe. You Be are, safe. You but are have so sex. on brand right now, Andrew yeah. Simon. <laughs> but like, go go have sex. Go, literally, go have sex. That is the final line from Andrew <laughs> Simon signing off. <laughs> go. Go to have Boots sex. and buy my products, but also go have, have sex. sex. Yeah, I mean, like, what a perfect way to end. <laughs> Andrew, thank you so much thank for joining me on thank Private you. Education, and for everyone listening. Yes, Andrew's products are available in Boots, <laughs> and his advice is go have sex. <laughs> thank you so much, and until next time, stay safe, have fun, goodbye. Sleeping. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 